6. We were in Mark chapter 4 this morning and we were talking about, uh, uh, about storms. We were talking about storms. We're going to look at storms again, but in a different place, a different storm, a different place. Have a look at Mark chapter 6 and verse 45. And uh, I want to just share on the gospel and the supernatural. And uh, I'll just keep it brief because I think the testimonies are just are very powerful themselves in letting us know that God wants us to have his power and to make his gospel known. Let's have a look in this scripture here. Uh, immediately he made his disciples, Jesus compelled his disciples, verse 45, to get into the boat and go before him to the other side to Bethsaida. Bethsaida means house of fishing. And when he sent that, while well, he sent the multitude away, and then he, when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. And when evening had come, the boat was in the middle of the uh, sea, and he was alone on the land. And he saw them straining and rowing, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them on the sea and would have passed them by. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost, and they cried out. Now, that word cried out means, Mah! they shrieked out. So if you thought someone saw someone on the sea, you would probably shout out too. And they all saw him and were all troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, I am, or it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went into the boat to them, and the wind ceased, and they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure, and marveled, for they had not understood about the loaves, because their heart was hardened. Tonight we were hearing about the loaves and the fishes, and uh, the disciples had just seen an amazing miracle. Sometimes when we read the Gospels, we just read them almost with the eyes blinded to the reality of the supernatural. And so this is a problem, particularly in the West, as we start to rationalize everything and lose our understanding that the God we serve is a supernatural God. This is what Jesus said when he commissioned the church, go preach the Gospel and signs will follow those who believe. See, Owen's not an ordained pastor, but he's a believer. Sandra is a believer. People that are believers, signs can follow them. And so Jesus made it very clear that the supernatural would accompany the preaching of the gospel. Why? Because the gospel will go to cultures where there are idols. Idols openly worship, sorcery, witchcraft. There's a need for demonstration and release of the power of God. Our idols are different. We cover them over. We, we call them a calm. We put them in a garage and then take them out and dust the dust off them and polish them all up and spend half our life paying them off. We've got our own set of idols that we worship in the West. It's usually material things, but nevertheless, they do represent idols when they've got a hold of your life and take the place of God. Now, I want you to see in this uh, story here, uh, for the first thing is that God, what, Jesus wants every believer to engage in the work of harvest. Every believer. Notice what it says, he compelled his disciples. He had to pressure them and persuade them because there was a reluctance in them to get into the boat. The place he wanted to send them to was a place he intended there to be a harvest. It's called Bethsaida, the house of fishing. Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. The heart of God is to help people who are broken. There is a harvest everywhere. You don't have to walk very far to meet someone who tells you their story, story of tragedy and heartbreak of marriage, family or abuse or some kind of horrendous thing that has happened in their life. I was uh, praying and ministering to a girl recently and she was uh, orphaned, so not orphaned, she was adopted out at the age of five and all her life she'd lived with this bitterness and grief and rejection in her heart and she encountered the Lord and he took away all of the pain. We, we prayed with her, she went into an encounter that lasted an hour and a half and she, I've got a picture of her and she's literally frozen like that 
reaching and stretching out to Jesus, and Jesus is encountering her, and she spent an hour and a half just, now you just cannot, I can hardly do that for, for a minute. Uh, you know, hold your hand out like that's pretty hard going. Stranger back, stranger arm, and the end you get tired. But she was frozen in an encounter with Jesus for an hour and a half, and in that time he spoke with her, ministered to her, and all that pain of her adoption and abandonment was just taken out of her soul. Just amazing. People need the power of God. Why is life in such a mess? They're in a mess because there's wounds, there's griefs, there's abuse, there's traumas, there's issues that people cannot get free of without the power of God. People need the power of God. Some of you here tonight, you'll be stuck in your life, stuck in your spiritual walk because there's issues in your heart where you're not free and you need God to touch you, need a breakthrough, need to get someone to speak into your life and help you. So Jesus compelled them to get into boat to go before him. Jesus always requires we go before him. Now, this is an interesting thing. It said he sent them. In Luke 10, 1, he says he sent them into the cities he himself would come. Now, get, you've got to understand this. God has commissioned us to carry the gospel. He will come when we will go. He is already wanting to touch people. You've got to go out of your comfort zone and engage where people are lost. And as you do that, you'll find God will come to them. And you'll see your best miracles where there are people unsaved. You'll find continually, whenever you talk to people who are out reaching unsaved people, reaching lost people, that's where you see the biggest and the best of the miracles. Because the supernatural will always accompany people with faith in their heart that carry the gospel out. Let's have a look what happens in the story here. So the first thing we see is God requires all of us. He compelled them and pressured them. They didn't want to go. He pressured them to engage the boat because the picture of the local church. He embraced, he, he literally persuaded them, get involved with the local church in the mission of reaching for souls. Get involved. How involved are you? How involved are you? Who is it you're reaching out to? When did you last reach out intentionally to someone to find out what's happening in their life and their journey, listen to them and let them see and feel the compassion of Jesus and get touched by his love flowing through you. Notice what happens there. Well, he sent the multitude away. He sent them away. He went into the mountain to pray. And so he spent quite some significant time in prayer. You can't minister and see the power of God flow unless there's prayer in your life. When we look at it there, he came and met them at about the fourth watch of the night. That's 3 a.m. in the morning. So that means he was in prayer from about 6 p.m. right through to 3 a.m. Now, if Jesus needed to pray, not saying you've got to pray all that many hours. I don't think many can. But, however, what you've got to see is this. For the supernatural to manifest in your life, you must be a person of prayer. Without prayer, we don't see God move. And so Jesus spent time. Why did he need to spend that time? If you read in the gospel before that, you'll find several things happen. One of the things that happened was he'd been ministering to thousands of people, and he and his disciples were incredibly tired. Second thing is, he got bad news. His cousin had been beheaded for his stand for the gospel, and so he was grieving over that. Third thing was, he tried to get his disciples to get and have a break, and the crowd followed them. And instead of saying, hey, guys, we've done our day, he continued to minister them. So he had poured his life out even when he was in personal pain and he was in discomfort. He fed the multitudes and did one of the greatest miracles at that time. And so he needed to get alone. If we're going to see God move in our life in greater ways, we have to make a priority on time with God. And you can give out. I have been uh, recently over in Asia. 
I did about 45, 50, 45 to 50 meetings in the space of about three weeks, just one after the other, meetings with people, meetings with groups, praying for hundreds and hundreds of people. I think, how do you do it? You can't do it. You actually have to wait on God. So every day, just wait on God, spend time in his presence, and God would speak and say what to do, where to go, how to move. And this is where the strength comes. The strength comes out of intimacy and prayer. If Jesus needs to pray, make prayer a priority in your life. He, he noticed this. He made the disciples leave him. He just needed time himself with the Father. Now, if you have a look what happened straight after that, you start to see this overwhelming flow of the supernatural. I want you to have a look what happened here. And sometimes we read the story, and we don't kind of picture or see just exactly what was going in it. But here it is. The kingdom of heaven is a release of the supernatural to the earth. Notice what happens here. He saw them straining rowing, for the wind was against them. And the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. And uh, <clears throat> when they saw, now, get this. They were only about, if we read, these, this, this gospel is written, through, this particular story is written out three times. Matthew speaks of it. Uh, Mark speaks of it. And John speaks of it, and all tell something a little bit different about it because it's, a, it's something that stunned them. And each of them brings out a different aspect. So you want to read the, four, the three different accounts, you'll see the three things that happen. Here's the first thing we find from the Gospel of John. After rowing for nine hours, they were only three miles out in the middle of the lake. Now, that, can you imagine rowing hard for nine hours how exhausted you'll be. It gives you an idea of the kind of opposition and difficulty they had. And it says that Jesus saw them. You may be going through pressures, difficulties. You may be going through adversity now. You may feel you're at the end of yourself, but Jesus sees where you are. Now, I want you to see what Jesus said. Now, you look at it. It's an amazing thing. Just, it's hard to comprehend this, but this is what happened. There's a great storm. There's winds blowing. He sees them struggling, and then he begins to come to them, and he walks out into the sea, and he begins to walk on water. No one in history has ever walked on water before that day. On that day, he demonstrated his total dominion over creation. He'd given them a miracle and shown them the miracle of the loaves and fishes multiplying. Now he's about to demonstrate three other things to them. And, and here's a, you'll get the key point just in a moment. The first thing he demonstrates to them is this. He demonstrates his total dominion over creation, over the law of gravity. You try stepping out on a pool and see what happens. You just go straight to the bottom. He stepped out and he began to walk across the water. Now probably... He would, the water would have been up to, you know, maybe between his feet and his knees. He would have just walking through like it seemed shallow water. I've heard of revival in Indonesia, and uh, they were, some people were being pursued by people who wanted to kill them, and uh, they ran down, this guy Mel Tari and his team, they, ran, they were running away from persecutors and, uh, who wanted to kill them. They ran down to a river, they put their foot in the river, it didn't seem very deep, they ran across the river, it was only up to, their, uh, up to about here, ran across away the other side. The others following them tried to do the same, went into the water, it was over their head, and they were swept away. It's a modern-day example of that very, very same miracle. Amazing. So you've got to understand, can you imagine someone walking out across Napier Harbor? Can you imagine someone walking across the West Shore area there? Can you just imagine how scary and freaky that is to see something like that happening? It's just very scary. Now, the disciples are absolutely exhausted. It's the middle of the night. So miracle number one, Jesus shows his dominion over nature, total authority over the law of gravity, and he's walking on water. Miracle number one. 
Miracle number two. The second thing tells us is that when he got into the boat, immediately the wind just stopped. He showed us, now, when you're in the, you know how gusty it was last night. Now, have you ever been in a storm where it's just going and it suddenly just seems like it stops? It's not very often you have that happen, but it's like there's this airy side. You get it in a hurricane. When you've got the hurricane and then it suddenly there's a still, now you're in the eye of the hurricane, it's about to start up again. But it wasn't like that. What happened was the winds are blowing and blowing and blowing, suddenly it just stops. All winds stopped. They were amazed. What man is this that has that kind of power? Now, if you read it, in, so there's miracle number two. He can control the weather. You would be amazed when we do missions, outreaches in Uganda and places like that, how often, how often, the moment you get into preaching the gospel, the weather suddenly changes. Because occult people stir up spirits, stir up witchcraft. I remember in Uganda there, man, it was scary. We had, you want to see the kind of wiring they had. They had this generator over here and bare wires. They put sellotape around them and they had the lights all going there. And then it just poured down like that. And I'm thinking, man, I want to step in the water. I'll get electrocuted somewhere. But it happened exactly at the altar call. The moment we come to the altar call, be no sign of rain suddenly, but dumpa, down the rain came. And it just pummeled down, just threw it, drove everyone away. So we had to pray each night uh, to restrain the heavens so that there'd be no rain that would destroy our attempts to bring the gospel to people. And we saw that each night God held it back for us. So Jesus demonstrated his total authority over creation, over the wind. One man can stop wind. No one can. Now the third thing that happens, you read this in the Gospel of John, is this. That once Jesus got in the boat and then and the wind stopped. Here's the third thing that happened. The third thing that happened was immediately the boat was on the other side. Now, if you don't read all three accounts of the gospel, you don't get it. There's one more thing that you'll need to read in a moment. So three amazing miracles. One, he walks on water. Two, the wind ceases the moment he's in the boat. And three, immediately the boat is transported. Now, you just cannot Remember, they're nine hours rowing and they're halfway, and then when Jesus gets in the boat, it's there. The nearest thing you find of that is the example of Philip, where Philip is preaching and suddenly he's gone and he turns up somewhere else. It's called transportation, physically, literally shifted from one location to another. That is the power Jesus has. All creation yields to his power. That's why he said, all authority in heaven and earth is given to me. I have all authority. Authority over the laws of nature, because when heaven invades earth, heaven's, uh, heaven's authority is greater than anything in the earth. It's most amazing. So God is able to do creative miracles. He's able to restrain nature. He's able to overcome natural laws. He's able to accelerate things. He's able to increase things. He's able to move you quickly from one place to another. He's able to do those things. I was talking to a guy. Now, this, this, this happened in Hastings. I was talking to this man, and uh, he's a great guy at sharing the gospel, just a great servant of the Lord. And uh, he had a motor accident. It was a very severe motor accident, and he was in hospital I think for probably up to a year recovering. And he, he doubted that he was ever going to recover. He thought he might even go. And the Lord said, no, I've got something for you to do. And once he'd recovered, he was out and he began to work for a local Christian organization here. And he would come into town and do the banking. And, and anyway, one particular Friday or whatever the week it was, he had to do the banking. And he had to do it. Uh, he had to go to seven banks, I think, on the one day. And he only had about an hour to do it before closing time. It was a very short time, whatever it was. And uh, I'm not quite sure the exact time, but it wasn't very long. And get this, 
He said, God, I do want to get this job done today. Went into the first bank, made the banking, came out. When he came out, he saw, this is quite strange, he saw an angel standing outside the bank, and he saw it all like a crystal area around the ground. So he stepped on it. And the moment he stepped on it, he was at the next bank. As he went into the banking, he stepped out, and there was the angel again and the crystal all on the ground. And so he just stepped on it, and he was at the next bank. And he did the whole of the bank. Now, that is supernatural transportation. That's the very thing that Jesus did. Happened to a guy in Hastings here not so long ago. So th this is the God we serve has got enormous power. And that power is released through faith. Now, I'll just finish with this because I want to finish on Abba 7. In the count of the story in Matthew, and you'll remember this, when Peter saw the supernatural happening, he said, I want to be part of that. God, if that's Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. And he stepped out and began to participate in the supernatural dimension of the kingdom. Now, you've got to see this, that before that time, Jesus was the only one who walked on water. Then Peter was the second man. And here's the thing. It was faith when he saw what God is doing and he linked his faith to it. Faith comes by hearing. He said, Jesus, if that's you bid me to come. And Jesus said, come. And he stepped out of the boat and he was walking on water. Of course, a little bit later, you know that he got his eyes on the circumstances and the big waves and the wind, and he lost his sight of what God was doing, and his faith diminished, and he began to slowly sink. And then Jesus reached out to him, lifted him up again. Don't focus on the fact that he sank. The ones who were in trouble really were the guys in the boat who saw it all, but never stepped into it. Tonight, I want to challenge you to think about this. We've had Owen talking about things he's been doing in New Zealand and things he's been doing overseas and many of the miracles and the things God's been doing. We've had Sandra talking about the great miracles that God has been doing. So we know that God is doing miracles, reaching and touch people. But will you see what God is doing in this hour of reaching unsaved people and extend your faith to be part of it and see God working through you? You see, Peter was the only one that extended his faith to get hold of what God was doing and be part of it. Now, I, I look around. I, I've been around a few years in ministry, a few years. I've seen thousands upon thousands of Christians coming and going. Then I've got a few people that stand out and see someone like Owen, who hasn't been a Christian very long. How long have you been a Christian? Three years. Three years. But you see, there's something unreserved about his giving to the Lord and God has opened up avenues for him. I believe it's connected to the call of God on his life. But God has opened up for him the opportunities to speak, preach, and minister. And God has provided supernaturally for him. But he stepped into what God is doing in this hour by saying an unreserved yes to Jesus. Sandra. Sandra's unnoticed. I don't think anyone notices Sandra. But over in Asia, they, they know her. She's becoming well-known now. And she just said, yes, I'll go. And she went. And she's been in Indonesia. She's been in Malaysia. She's been in Singapore, been up in India, and probably going to be up in other places as well. And, but here's the thing, that she has seen the need and stepped in and joined a faith to walk in it. Now, I encourage you to think about this. this. We are mandated to share the gospel, and always the gospel contains the supernatural. What are you doing to stir your prayer life and to engage with others in reaching people for Christ. That is the challenge we all face today.
to actually let our faith rise and say, God, I'm believing. I saw Gerda tonight shared her testimony, how she went and prayed for that lady and then saw the lumps miraculously disappear. See, this is what I'm talking about. She's actually doing something where hurting people are and God loves people that are in need and loves to reach out through someone. The question is, will he reach out through you? Whose life will be impacted by your testimony, by your efforts, by your commitment, your sacrifice? You know, Jesus compelled them to get into the boat. They were a bit reluctant. And some of us may be a bit reluctant, but nevertheless, Jesus still is putting the pressure on to get involved in harvest. It's harvest time. He's saying, even if you feel it's a bit out of your depth and you don't know where you are and there's some storms blow up and you feel uncomfortable, nevertheless, go and reach the lost. Reach unsaved people. Build a relationship. Build a connection. Build friendship. Find ways to minister to needs. Find, get God give you an idea and show you what you could do. Who'd have thought of Owen being all over the world? I mean, the last thing you think, I don't even know how he does it. He got a criminal record. He was exported from Australia. How does he get into a place like Pakistan? Everywhere you go overseas, they ask you, what's your criminal record? You've got to fill it out on the form. And then if you've got a criminal record, you don't go there. Yeah, same as China, exactly. Got into China as well. China is very rigid on your criminal record, and they can look it up. But, but, you know, we've got one guy in the church here, and his criminal record vanished. It just doesn't seem to be there on the computer anymore. Who knows how that happens? See, God is committed to get people who've got their heart towards him out into the harvest field. The challenge is, will it be you? Will it be you? Come on, let's just close our eyes tonight, right now. Close our eyes right now. And uh, I'd love Sandra to come on up, and I'd love Owen to come on up. And I love you. You're going to lay hands on some people. Let's fire up the evangelistic gift and people. Church, tonight, if it's in your heart, if you felt challenged and inspired, say, God, I want to make my life available. Lord, I want to commit myself to pray and to start to reach out in a way I haven't done before. If that's you, would you make your way to the front? I want to get these evangelists to lay hands on you and to believe for an impartation to increase your faith tonight. We do that right now. Come on there. Come on, let's come on up. Let's come on up right now. Come on, here's the people who are doing the job. Church, why don't you just get some worship music going? Let's do that. Maybe you're listening on the CD. You can just reach out. We'll pray for you right now. Father, we pray for each person responding today. Father, let the power of the Holy Ghost come upon them. Let there be an impartation of faith and boldness in evangelism. We call divine encounters, we call divine opportunities, and we pray miracles to be released in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's worship, church. Let's just worship the Lord as people come and lay hands. If you have a need specifically for prayer in some way, feel free to come up. That would be great. That's okay. Make sure there's someone behind to catch. Vaughn, if you do a bit of catch in case someone falls over. Let me get praying for some people too.